Hey, what's up, everybody? Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know of a special announcement. If you've been ever interested in our courses to help you ace your FE or PE exam, definitely go check them out at civilengineeringacademy.com. Prices on our existing courses are going to be seeing a little bump in price coming on June 3rd of 2023. So if you are ever, in, if you've been ever interested in acing your exams and needing a course to do it, go check us out, civilengineeringacademy.com. We can help you crush your FE or PE exam at uh, the best prices you'll probably ever see. So go check that out real quick. Hey, what's up, everybody? Isaac Okasen here, Civil Engineering Academy. Thanks for being here on another sweet podcast episode. I'm excited to share this one with you. I bring on a great guest. His name is Ziad Masbudi, um, and has an awesome name. But Ziad jumps on today. He has a fascinating story about his career journey into civil engineering, all the stuff that he's done, including being director over public works, definitely being involved in the municipality area, but just real thirst of knowledge that he had and how he earned his MBA even in his 50s and um, how he started departments for GIS and just all kinds of fun stories that he has about expanding his career in civil engineering. And even coming from Beirut to the United States to pursue that, you know, the challenges of earning his FE and getting his PE, all of those things take into account of how he got to where he is. So just a fascinating story and very inspiring for any engineer that's starting this journey or wants to dive into the similar area that he's gone into. But really, the principles that we talk about in general are really good about always striving to learn and always moving forward in your career with knowledge and trying to learn all we can as we go through this journey in civil engineering. So anyway, I just had a really great conversation and I think you're going to enjoy this interview. It's going to be coming up right after this. Hey, have you struggled to find time to actually read a book? I know I have. Life is busy, four kids, all of that jazz. It makes it really hard to actually sit down and read a book. So you know what I turned to? I turned to Audible. And we have an affiliate with them. If you go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash Audible, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E, you can jump on and find your favorite titles to go anywhere with you. Use that link. You'll get 30 days for free. You'll also get a couple of credits. And if you're already a Prime member, you'll get two credits, which is good for some premium selection titles that you can actually keep. But go check them out. I really have enjoyed Atomic Habits by James Clear, which gives you an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. They've got fun ones like Dune that are on there and tons of others. So if you're in the hunt to find time in your day to listen to books, definitely give them a shot. Go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And go get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Go check them out. Today's podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is awesome. It's 100% real chocolate, 100% delicious. If you have not tried these, I don't know what's wrong with you. They recently came out with a coconut brownie chunk, which is amazing. I'm a big coconut fan. So if you're in the coconut camp, you got to try that. If not, what's wrong with you? Just kidding. They have lots of other different flavors, so go check them out. They have strawberry, they've got cherry lime, peanut butter brownie, coconut, again, different types of coconut bars, raspberry, double chocolate, and all kinds of stuff. This stuff is way better than a candy bar for you. 
Definitely a snack you want as you're studying for your FE or PE. It's got 130 calories, only two and a half grams of fat, four net carbs, four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. This is way better than what's out there for other protein bars and definitely better than candy bars. So go check it out at civilengineeringacademy.com slash built and use our discount code of CIVAC and you'll get a 10% off on anything that you order there. So go check that out. All right, Ziad, thank you for joining me today on the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. I appreciate you taking a little bit of your busy day and doing this with me. Pleasure, pleasure. Good to be Uh, with you. People don't know this, but you just got off a phone call about a project with a sinkhole and things are blowing up. So life is happening all around us and we try to get these episodes in between all of that. So I appreciate you doing all this. My pleasure. I always love to start these interviews just kind of filling out and getting your story of how you found yourself into civil engineering, why you chose the discipline that you chose. How did we end up here? So I started my engineering studies actually as an electrical engineer. I grew up in Beirut, Lebanon, and I went to the American University of Beirut. And I started an electrical engineer, and then I thought, it looked like too much work. And then... (laughs) It was harder than civil engineering at the beginning. And then I had an uncle who was a civil engineer who was building dams in Saudi Arabia and had a very successful firm. Mm. So I like that. I mean, maybe I'll go work for my uncle. So I got into civil engineering and then I graduated in uh, 1987. You know, I started to work there. The country was in turmoil. So eventually I moved to the U.S. and uh, I started working in the U.S. as a civil engineer. And I enjoyed it a lot, actually. First, I started working in the field and, you know, I learned a lot in the field, which I believe any civil engineer should work in the field at some time in their life. Engineers shouldn't just sit in the office and use their calculator and they should see how things are built because that made me understand when I'm designing, how are they going to do it in the field? So I understood, I made a connection. And I started uh, working in the field, then I joined local government after the field, and the rest is history. So tell our listeners, though, what you have designed, what you were out in the field doing, what do you do today? So when I first started, I joined a company where I was, you know, project manager, we were doing... uh, grading, paving, I built a flood control channel. So even at the start of my career, I started dealing with crisis management, really, and resolving field problems. So I had a flood control channel, one of my first jobs, really. Flood control channel, they built things wrong, and I had to survey and come up with a solution, present it to the county, and then we eventually built the flood control channel. I learned, you know, As a civil engineer, you can't just think, okay, I do only one thing. We're Mm -hmm. generalists mostly, unless you're specifying in something very specific and you do that. So I ended up doing a variety of things to a point where on one of my projects, I used to at the end of the day, go play with the heavy equipment. I love that. So Mm -hmm. I had like an 80C caterpillar. This is a monster. The tire is eight feet tall. And I used to play at the end of the day, just move stuff around. But one day I had 30 trucks lined up for export of soil and my operator got sick. Well, if I had to send them away, that was a four hour minimum for every truck to have busted my budget. So I actually got on my Caterpillar and I loaded the trucks all day long and I saved the day. 
So, you know, at time when I needed to get the rebars tied because we have to pour like shortly, you jump in. So never hesitate to get your hands dirty to learn. I mean, for me, it was, I mean, not every civil engineer going to go learn on a caterpillar, but for me, I exposed myself to stuff. And it helped me in my career because I'll give you another example. I was a development engineer in the city and I was reviewing water stuff and they would tell me about double detector check and whatever. I had no clue what that is. So as a civil engineer, you're not going to that level. So I actually went and became certified. I took a class, I learned, and now I knew more than the staff in my city about these devices and what they hmm. do. So you have to learn. You can't just say, well, I got my degree in my pocket. I don't need anything else. I know you're going to ask me later about some of that. So I'm not going to talk too much about it. Well, those are great experiences. So, wow. So you're dealing a lot with kind of crisis management and emergency response. It seems like you're really good at tackling that stuff. Some engineers don't love dealing with crisis management. I'm in the transmission engineering industry. And when stuff hits the fan, sometimes people kind of close their doors a little bit. They, like they don't want to deal with it. So how has dealing with that really formed your work? Or, you know, how have you been able to manage that? And what advice would you have for another engineer that has to deal with those issues? Because they're going to come. So any so, advice around that? You know, I grew up in Beirut, Lebanon during wartime. So I was a firefighter, paramedic, ambulance driver, and seen a lot of death. And I rescued people and worked when bombs are falling. So it was very, very high stress level. You had to kind of calm down and deal with this. And I tell my staff, look, nobody has died. You know, it cost us $5,000, that's okay. So let's kind of look at things in perspective. You know, as long as, you know, I didn't have a collapsed building, people are dead, that's different. But mm -hmm. you put crisis in perspective. So you have a staff that called me yesterday about a $300 change and he's so worried. Like, that's okay, calm down. We have contingency, that's what it's for. So you start getting people comfortable because especially with young people, they panic when any change happens and you make them start to understand Look, evaluate, discuss, talk to your supervisor. If you have to make a decision on the spot, think of what are the ramifications and make the decision. Don't panic and freeze and not do anything. So stagnation is death. We have to keep moving forward. We have to deliver. And that's my approach with the staff is, you know, look at the big pictures. You know, we're always here to help you. Some decisions I can't make. I have to go to my boss and he may have to go to his boss. He may have to go to council. So there's always solutions, except when somebody dies. If they die, that's the biggest problem. Sure. So anything less than that, we can deal with it. That's my advice in general. It sounds like going through what you've gone through, it's given you a perspective that is very valuable. You know, this is engineering work, but it's not life or death that sound depending your building isn't falling down and things of that nature and we can handle a change order or maybe we That's have right. to shift something in the field because they hit something or maybe you you know you have a sinkhole because you hit a sewer line or something i'm very used to that too we crews would go out there to pour a foundation and they're hitting something and, and you're the first engineer they're going to call the person we hit something what do you want to do and you're like okay well let's look at it Go get some eyes on there and see what's going on. And there's challenges like this in civil engineering and 
emergencies that come up all the time. But I think it's great to have that perspective that you just shared. Another thing to add. So, you know, we try to plan for projects. You anticipate, you think, etc. And if you have the luxury of time, you can super plan everything. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, you have to make decisions with the intelligence, the knowledge that you have at that time. Sometimes you don't have a week. You have to make a decision. So make decisions with the best information you have. Try to minimize your risk with that decision as much as you can. And sometimes you just do it. And if it was the wrong decision, you say, oops, you know, and and it's going to cost us a little bit of money. But don't stop everything because you cannot make decisions. And the worst managers, and I'm dealing with even with this in a city I'm in where they had a manager who would never make a decision. So I have projects sitting and and they haven't moved. I'm like, why haven't you done? Well, we sent it to the manager and obviously the manager is gone, but he just, uh, he couldn't make decisions. So my approach is always like, boom, they tell me I'm on fire because I look, make decision, move, boom. So we don't have time to sit down and just dwell on things. We have to make a decision, keep things moving. Well, you've been a lot, I mean, involved quite heavily in, in the public sector, public works and engineering in that world. Are there some challenges in that world and how do they address those challenges? So in local government, if your council get along with each other, then you can do magic stuff. In local government, if uh, if you don't have enough funding to do stuff, it's a challenge because so if a city that may not generate a lot of sales tax, etc., they don't have too much money, then your infrastructure is deteriorating. You feel horrible because the people are calling you saying, fix the street, but I don't have money to fix the street. So there are challenges. If you have a good finance director who's smart, how to get money. You know, right now we have a lot of infrastructure, federal funding that's helping everyone. The ARPA funding really helped everyone. So a lot of cities, there's so much work, actually, people can't keep up. That's a good thing in a way. But, uh, you know, as long as council isn't fighting with each other, everybody has an agenda that's hurting the city as a whole. As an engineer, keep doing good stuff come up with great ideas, be efficient, deliver, expose the community of the good stuff you're doing, then the community is happy, council is happy, then then you're doing good. And local government or municipal engineer requires really somebody who, as you said, most of my career has been municipal. I love it. I mean, I love working with the public, interacting. I come from political family, so I understand mm. politics. And you have to be smart you know, how you operate, not to be a political person, but be diplomatic and don't put your counsel in a situation where they're going to get upset at you for something you did. So always let them look good. And this way you're a star. I love it. Good advice. Well, I mean, you've bounced around to different places. You've worked in municipalities. You've done your own stuff as well. You've worked for probably contract outfits. Could you describe a little bit about the differences between those and maybe what you like personally like what has been good for you what if a you know if i'm an engineer that is considering going to work for a municipality what's that like if i'm on my own what challenges do you face doing that versus maybe a consultant so i started my career you know in in 1988 and when i first moved to the us i worked for a private sector i worked for a contracting company then 1991 we had the depression and things changed and i just gotten married and you know, I didn't like the insecurity. 
I wanted to be able to plan for a vacation comfortably and and that. And so I said, you know what? I want to join the public sector. It's more secure. I don't have to keep bouncing. I know I have something. I could do a lot of good stuff. With the private sector, I was jumping from job to job to job, wherever. And you know, I'm in Southern California, so driving 100 miles each way to work is normal, kind of. Mm. It may sound weird, but I used to have to drive <laughs> over 100 miles each way every day. So starting the private sector, I worked a lot in the field. I was hands-on. So when I joined the public sector, you know, I had some really good experience for a starting assistant engineer. So I was doing CIPs, capital improvement project. And now I'm in one location, I'm covering a city, and I was doing variety, sidewalk, pavement, storm drain, sewer. Well, I've done some of these when my work, even though, you know, I knew how to compact the street, how to do. So it helped me understand when I'm putting a bit package for a pavement job, what does that include? So it helped me a lot. And then, so I started as a CIP engineer, as assistant. I moved to another city where I became an associate engineer. And there I was development engineer. So I was over reviewing developments and, you know, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to. I wasn't doing CIPs, but now my CIP experience made me understand what is a developer going to do? How is he going to impact my street? Where is he connecting? And around that time, the stormwater program, the MPDS program was evolving and I took it over and I enjoyed it a lot. And then I also had gone to Cal Poly Pomona, studied GIS because I really liked it. Because when I first started working as an engineer, I was using rotoring and drawing with pen and I hated it. I used to burn mylars and I just hated it. I was bad at it. So I learned about, you know, a little AutoCAD, a little drafting on Kogo. I'm like, oh my God, this GIS is starting. I want to learn. So I went and became certified. And wow. now the students hired me, loved it that I know GIS because they wanted to get on board. So I set up a whole GIS program for them. So it evolved from just development into GIS for the whole city, into MPDS. And then after four years, I wanted to move on. So I went to a third city where they wanted an MPDS guy. I wanted to develop their whole program. But then when I started there, I started connecting dots because I said, you can't be just an MPDS guy. So I have to do recycling because trash contribute to that. And then I got into used oil recycling and then I got into other stuff. But then I became the environmental engineer and I took over a lot, water conservation, energy conservation. So my experience wow. started to evolve. I chaired the county stormwater program. I did... I was with the U.S. Green Building Council because I needed to learn about green. And then I started to host this conference, actually, for the whole county to attract the cities to green because South Orange County is heavily Republican. So if you're environmentalist, you sound like you're from Berkeley and you're an activist now. No, 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 this is good. So I had to educate the locals, my council. Hey, we're not environmental nut jobs here. This is good for us to recycle, to save on energy. So I did a conference that was called Greening the Orange. I'm Orange County. I did a conference for the businesses saying, uh, come and learn, uh, making green by being green. So mm -hmm. the businesses started to actually react positively with me. And I showed them how to save on water, save money, how to 
I'll give you rebates to change your old electrical with new stuff. You'll save money. If you recycle, you'll save money. So it clicked. When I first started, they thought I'm a water Nazi and I'm going <laughs> to you know, close the businesses with citations. Well, so again, when I said earlier, you have to be diplomatic and understand your people you're working with. So for Man. businesses, save them money. So as a civil engineer, I'm now shifting my brain. I'm not designing structures. I'm changing the culture of a community. And after 12 years there, I never cited one business because the businesses wanted to come and work with me. They would ask me for advice. And when you commit to something, you have to be there with them. You have mm. to respond. You have to help them when they ask. So that's how kind of some of my experience evolved. You've got great stories there. I'm curious with all that experience, has there been one or two projects that have been a favorite that you've ever worked on? It sounds like maybe that was one of them, but you know, any that others was, that, that was, come that to mind? Story. I'll give you another example in this community. It was an old historic community. They gave me also what's called the FOG program, Fat, Oil, and Grease. So my responsibilities was to make sure that the restaurants don't discharge grease into the sewer because grease into the sewer causes blockage. Then we have sewer overflows that goes to the ocean. So you go to the businesses, the businesses don't have money, and they, uh, you know, I was having spills regularly. I went to council and I said, look, they don't have money, and we're having regular grease blockage. We're going to be cited. The businesses will be cited. I propose that give me $200,000 a year over three years, which is a small portion of the sewer budget, and I'll help businesses. I'll offer them. You install that device that I want, which is $15,000, $20,000. I'll pay you that. Get it done. When you get it done, we'll pay you. And I was and council loved the idea because they want to have help the businesses in the downtown, and over three years, we eliminated the grease problem, which mm. was a great success story because it was costing us to send staff, to pump, to jet. So we were paying money and still the problem existed. We diverted from spending money on, you know, putting Band-Aid to solving the problem and that eliminated the spill. So that was a huge success story. And, and again, this is how you have to try to think of solution. That's you great. Know, another one is recycling where... In the recycling world, even though I'm not talking engineering now, I'm talking practical thing. As an engineer, you know, you become a crisis manager, really, or problem solvers. So when you recycle, I tell businesses, recycle. But if there is no byproduct or if, if there is no value for what you have, then it's trash. I was in a community that had 3,000 horses and stables. I needed to recycle there because they were impacting the most my diversions. So in mm. communities, you calculate what you generate and how much you move away that's not going to the landfill. Well, 3,000 horses generate thousands of tons of manure. I actually connected with a sanitation district that loved taking that manure, you know, because they combine it with their digester, etc. So instead of these thousands of tons of manure going to the landfill, now they were diverted. Mm. The stable used to take horseshoes and dump them, which every horse gets new shoes every six weeks. So for shoes, I found a steel manufacturer or steel company that loved to take that steel, and they were paying the stables a dollar per shoe. So now we diverted those. So, you know, these are solutions. And it takes somebody to pick up the phone and call, you know, these steel companies and say, hey, I have this. Would you? The guy came say, oh, man, the steel is very good. 
So wow. the stables used to pay to dispose of the shoes, to send them to the landfill. Now they're making money. So again, wow. you have to always find solutions. And these are examples of them. Well, you sound like a problem solver for sure. <laughs> if you're getting that deep, that's awesome. A lot of different experiences there. I think you've got a lot of different um, project knowledge. I think any engineer that's considering maybe going into the field that's similar to what you're in definitely will open their eyes to the things they can get involved in. One of the things you're involved with, though, is called the ASCE Region 9 Disaster Preparedness and Response Committee. What right. do you do for that? This is in California, California Office of Emergency Services, Cal OES. They oversee, in case of any disaster, they respond, they deal with FEMA, they deal with the agencies, etc. And in California, we have a program called Safety Assessment Program. So let's say we have a disaster. In cities, the inspector will go, a house is demolished or half demolished. They tag them. They tag them safe. They take a, tag them, we're not sure, or they tag them, red tag them, we call them, so you cannot enter because it's unsafe to occupy. So in a disaster, our most important thing is to put people back into their houses so that they're not in a shelter. Mm -hmm. People are in a shelter after a major event, it's anxiety, kids are upset, and we're putting a thousand people in a gymnasium, etc. So what we do, first part of the program is CalOES developed uh, like forms for engineers to evaluate, to standardize the process. So I was trained, I'm a trainer for CalOES, so I, I'm actually going in a month to Sacramento to train the whole Sacramento region engineers on that. Wow. But part of this group, we have CALBO, which are the building official. We have state employees. We have the architects. We have structural engineers. So we're a group of various agencies that provides help to CalOES. So CalOES is kind of a, an agency that has people working. You know, they communicate with the cities, the counties, etc. So one is training. Two, when there's a disaster... Caloyas, so there was a disaster here in Calexico, in Southern California. The state contacted me, said, Ziad, there was an earthquake. We need to go check. Let's see how many volunteers we need to bring on board. So I go assess, determine how much damage there is. And then I say, okay, we're going to need at least 30 volunteers, 20 volunteers. And then I send to my volunteers asking who's available. So we have a database. And then we bring these volunteers and we send them to the crisis area to evaluate. And this is not just California, so it's nationwide. So if there's a disaster in Mississippi or wherever, they ask. So there's mutual aid agreements between states, and they would ask CalOES. CalOES asks us, hey, anybody available? So maybe ASCE doesn't have anybody, maybe Calbo has or the architect, etc. So we all complement each other and help to make sure when there's a disaster, there's somebody who's an expert. Sometimes it's my expertise. Somebody is somebody else's expertise. Well, you are involved in a lot of different things, a lot of different projects that you've seen. It's been really fun to, to chat about this. Just a couple more questions. How do you stay on top of all of this? How do you um, know what the latest developments are in, uh, in this field that you're in? Because it seems like you are always in touch with what's coming. How do other engineers do that? So a couple of ways. So first, read. I got my MBA at 50. 
I love to learn and I'm always learning. Awesome. You could never stop learning no matter who you are. Because as you just said, there's new technology. Right now we're dealing with LIDAR, we're dealing with drones, where before we... So there's a lot of new stuff that are coming. And as an engineer, so I'm part of... Get involved in professional organizations. Absolutely necessary. You know, APWA, SCE... A lot of these are very good organization. They have a lot of webinars. They have a lot of training. I go to conferences. This is where I go to learn. I see the vendors who are looking into this new technology. So I go to them a lot of time to hear, what did other city do? I am not a genius at all, Isaac. I'm a guy who sees, read about geniuses and their ideas and think, oh, this would be perfect for my city. Mm. So... If you don't read, I get on LinkedIn and I see some of what people are posting. Say, oh my God, that was a great idea. Let me see how I can turn into this into my project. So to do good things, you don't have to be the guy with the best idea. Sometimes you are, but sometimes you want to find somebody who has done something similar. I'll tell you a quick story. I'm on Facebook on a Saturday night and I see this uh, little ad about... Concrete fabric. I was intrigued. I click and I look at a video and I had a project that has been driving me crazy. I'm trying to find a solution for it. I'm like, oh my God. I send them a message. They turn out to be in London, England. And I say, I want to hear about your product. That was Sunday night. By Sunday, they said, tomorrow, Monday, somebody will contact you. On Monday afternoon, I was meeting with their rep. We did a demo. I loved it. We did the project. And just so you know what this fabric is, it comes like a carpet. They put it and you wet it and it hardens to 5,000 PSI. It started in England during World War II where, you know, they wanted to have something quickly for airport runways. And they did like competition. And this company that did carpet came up with the idea and they were able to roll these. And, you know, in 24 hours, you have a runway. Wow. And I had a location. I couldn't get concrete trucks to it. Had a narrow road. I needed to do V gutters, etc. I'm like, oh my god, this is genius. Sometimes you read, you hear. I look at LinkedIn. I see stuff. I say, this is wonderful. So you have to learn. You have to read. You have to open your eyes. I drive as I'm going to work. I see something nice in another city. I stop, take a picture. So keep your eyes open. Keep your mind open. Get education. I go at least two, three conferences a year to at least see new product, new technology. I interact with people. I collect business cards at these uh, of people I want to follow up and ask them. This is kind of how you get in tune with, That's with great. what's happening in the world. Great advice for other engineers looking to up their game. I appreciate that. You know, when we started this, we talked a little bit about preparation for FE or PE exam. You said you had a funny story or something along those lines. Maybe as we kind of end this a little bit, maybe you could dive into PE preparation and whatever story you had there. That so you had. I mentioned to you that uh, I moved from Lebanon to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So when I left, so I graduated in 87. And then I came here and I was working in the field. I didn't have my P. I wanted to, but I was, you know, working more than studying. But I realized I didn't have my EIT, so I needed to get my EIT. So taking your EIT six years after you graduate, Challenge. I'm starting to go back to chemistry and physics and statistics and stuff that 
I haven't learned about for at least 10 years. So I have to study and it was rough. I had weekends, etc. But I took a course, I went to a college, I did it, my path, that study for PE. So now I'm like over eight, 10 years after I, or after I started in college and I'm taking, you know, in California, we have earthquake uh, tests specific in the PE. So I'm doing structural, I'm not a structural guy, Mm -hmm. but I had to take certain specific things in California. Again, a lot of studying. So my biggest advice is, you know, take your EIT as soon as you can. I think you can take it in your third year in college or something. And the best thing you can do is work a couple of years and get your PE as soon as possible. I had one of my interns within two years of graduating, he had his PE because that's going to jumpstart your career big time. My story is when I was done with my PE is, and I got the letter that I passed, I cried like a baby. And my wife says, I... I've cried twice. When I got married, I was happy. And when I got my PE, I was happy. Actually, not when I got married, when I got my citizenship. <laughs> that was another experience. So we won't tell your wife you that. Know, don't leave too much time between graduation and studying and taking your PE. Because your knowledge is Great still advice. in your mind. So take it as soon as possible. And it will jumpstart your career, you know, because you need your PE as a civil engineer or you're not going to move up the rank. That you, is you can't true. make engineering decisions if you not make your PE. You're going to take orders. But once you have a PE, it says you're qualified to make decisions. And we are a huge advocate of that over at Civil Engineering Academy. So definitely check us out if you need some help there. So Thanks. great advice for young engineers. So this has been really fun, Ziad. I appreciate you Thank jumping you. on and doing this. Uh, is there anything else? Is there a good way for our audience to connect with you if they had questions about anything related to our topic today? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm a past ASCE president in Orange County. I'm actually in May running for regional governor in California. So mentoring engineer is a priority for us. You know, right now there's so much shortage of civil engineers. So civil engineer is a fun adventure. Get in there and learn and you'll enjoy it. You know, so what we want more civil engineers If you're in a university or a college, you want somebody to come and talk to your young members about their options, you can find me on LinkedIn. And I'm always happy to answer any questions for anybody who's interested in civil engineering. By the way, I have to put a plug in for my company. So I work for for Transtech Engineering. And Transtech Engineering, we provide services to municipal uh, agencies. So... You know, that's why I'm enjoying my retirement now. I'm helping uh, cities, even though I'm in the private sector. And we promote a lot, you know, civil engineering, helping communities. That's TransTech, right? TransTech Engineering, correct. Okay. We'll make sure we list all that in our show notes. But I appreciate your time jumping on and doing this with me. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure, Isaac. That was great. And thank you for the interview or for the podcast. (laughs) See you later. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. 
Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.